chapter number John chapter number 21 kind of looks like a seven or a nine but if I if I put my glasses on I think it's definitely 21 in that there being no 27 or 29 uh, good to see you good to be uh, in uh, church tonight assemble with the Lord's people uh, as I pray, God will give you the grace and the strength to do up until you assemble with the saints in heaven. But meanwhile, until that time, I hope God gives you strength right through to the end uh, or up until his coming, which I think many of us expect uh, to be soon. He is Lord. You know, I remember the first time I heard that song, I was a teenager and uh, it was probably a new song back then and I heard it the first time uh, they were playing it by guitar and uh, it was a, I remember being quite moved by that. I found it to be quite worshipful and, and uh, you know, something about sitting around uh, with a group of young people who just want to sing to the Lord, not because they have to, but just because they want to. And uh, I think a lot of you, some of you here will have those memories of just getting together with some young people and picking up a guitar and sitting around and, and, you know, we should, that's a good thing to do. Um, after I got saved, uh, I found it difficult to uh, have, a, have a private place to pray in my home. Uh, one, our home was quite small. I shared a room with my brother, uh, which you can imagine how that went. Uh, we, were, we were in reach of each other. The room was so small. Though we had our own beds, we were, we were within reach. And uh, so uh, we also had a dog, so that made three of us in that room. Uh, but uh, it was hard to get anywhere to pray privately. And, uh, and I, I wanted to pray. And so what I would do, uh, I would ride my bike uh, down to uh, somewhere I could get to. So I might go down to uh, Deepwater Bend. Uh, sometimes I went as far as uh, Shorncliffe. And I would sit on the rock wall uh, where, the, where the water came in at night and, uh, and I would do my praying there. And now it wasn't every night, but many nights. And I would you know, take the ride down there and back. And uh, just something about getting alone with God. Uh, I remember when they first closed the old Hornibrook Highway Bridge that they now knocked down. Uh, I remember that that was a good place to go and pray too because, you know, wasn't, you could park and you could go right out in the middle and you, after the first 100 metres, most of the fishermen had dropped out, anyone who was there, and I could get out on the bridge and pray. And uh, let, me, let, me, uh, let me encourage you, even if you're younger, you know, you decide the kind of walk with God you want to have. You don't have to wait for something to be scheduled. You you know, you, you decide. You know, the wonderful thing about the Lord is you can have as much of God as you want. Uh, you know, he says, open thy mouth wide and I'll fill it. If you desire more of God, you can have it. Now, if you're, if you're indifferent towards, uh, you know, spiritual things, I'm not judging you on that, but, but uh, there's, a, there's as much of God available as you want it. And, uh, you know, you can, you can seek God, uh, there's just a, a tremendous openness with the Lord. He invites us to come into his presence. He's always ready to hear us. And uh, I do wonder if we would spend more time praying. And, and may I say, 
uh, more time focusing on responsibility for our own spiritual life, then we would be less critical of the other things around us that we always think somehow might be failing us. Or It's not really the church's job to monitor your spirituality. That really is your job. And uh, you're supposed to take responsibility for where you're at. The church provides a place for you to gather. It's a place for you to be strengthened. Uh, but really, you are responsible for your Christian walk. And, and let, you know, let's be honest, you can't blame anybody else. If, if you don't pick up your Bible, that's your choice. If you don't want to pray, that's your choice. If your heart has gone cold and that doesn't bother you, well, you've made a choice with that. Uh, but uh, you, you can have as much of God as you want. And we are, we, God is going to hold us account for, I wanna, you know, we, we, there's an accountability in your own walk with God. You're maintaining your own spirituality. And uh, it's not given to me to judge that, but it's given to me to encourage you to uh, walk with God and, and uh, you know, get, get, seek to get more from your relationship with Christ because uh, let me tell you, it doesn't matter how deep you go, there's always more to find. And you can, you can draw near and he'll, he'll help you. He'll give you, he'll give you strength. And it's not just, uh, this is not just sort of a pulpiteering. This is factual. You'll get strength to help you get by. You'll get grace and you'll think, I don't know where this is coming from, but, but God is, is giving me a grace to get through this. And I, I do encourage you to walk with the Lord. Uh, John 21, I'm going to uh, just give you some thoughts tonight before we take time to pray on something, some of the things we should be looking for in an incoming pastor. And what I'm not going to do is give you a Timothy or a Titus list. Uh, that Those are very important things and you can read them and perhaps if I was going to be here preaching over more weeks, I might address that. Uh, but I just want to take a few verses from John 21, verse 14 to 17, uh, where Jesus is talking to Peter and... Uh, Verse 14 says, this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, he ate with them. Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Now I'll, I'll reference that in just a moment, uh, but uh, I want to just give you uh, some of the things that we want to be mindful of uh, as we will be making a decision about uh, our new pastor uh, when God reveals that to us or makes that clear. Some of the things that he needs to be, number one, he needs to be a Christian. Uh, I, I, I thought it would be good to start on something where we'd have agreement. Uh, so um, he needs to be a Christian. 
And the reason I say that, you know, that, that's sort of half funny, but, but it, it's been disturbing to me the number of people who have come out in the last few months and said, I'm no longer a Christian. I'm talking about leading Christian authors where, where hundreds of thousands of people have bought their books uh, that this, like this was some anointed saint of God with a message from the Lord, something to help us, and, uh, and have years in the spotlight of uh, Christendom and ministry and uh, just come out and say, I'm no longer a Christian and I'm looking forward to uh, experiencing uh, life in other areas and, and uh, uh, you know, it's just becoming uh, a little bit, uh, you know, common. It was, it was sort of shocking if you heard that once in a decade uh, now there's someone new every a month or so. Now, I happen to believe that's a product of uh, today's Christianity. I, I think you can, you can find a circuit uh, where you can preach and teach motivational thoughts and uh, be lifted up as uh, a wise one and uh, a great speaker. And, and uh, you know, you can kind of blow around like that. And, and uh, I, I just think that the climate in a lot of churches is not discerning. And, uh, and they're really more interested in getting someone in who will, you know, uh, be, a, be a good speaker, someone easy to listen to, a few good antidotes, maybe a good story. And, and, uh, and there's not a close examination of the reality of Christ in someone's life. Is it really there? And so, you know, there ought to be evidence of salvation in the testimony of the person who will come in here. And not just that, there ought to be the fact that they have lived for Christ and that ought to be seen in their life. And, and uh, so, you know, uh, good, good, good that we have agreement on point one. Um, doctrinal settledness. And uh, I kind of scratched this in, uh, you know, with, with my pen after I already sort of printed out my thoughts. But I thought it better be said because doctrinal settledness means this. Now, we have a statement of faith that the incoming pastor will have to read and he'll have to agree with that. And so the doctrine of the church is fairly well spelt out in that. It's, the, it's the, the statement of faith that I agreed to when I came in here and Pastor Lloyd would have agreed to when he came in and uh, even those before me, it was around before my time. Uh, but uh, doctrinal settledness is simply this, that, that we don't have someone coming along who wants to stand up and make an announcement uh, that they no longer are premillennial. You know, they've, they've come across something on the internet and a new teacher somewhere has taught them that, you know, uh, we're not going in the rapture, but we've all got to live through the tribulation. And, uh, and we don't want that. We want someone who's settled in their doctrine. Now, if you believe that, just tell us that ahead of time. And uh, we'll thank you for your time and give you a cup of tea and a bicky and and, uh, you know, maybe see you again sometime, but that's not what we're looking for here. We, we, we don't want you changing your doctrine midstream. We hope that that's a settled issue for you already. And uh, so, you know, that'll be one of the things that I think will come up in discussions, but that's important. Uh, next, a love for Jesus, and this is our text. And uh, the reason I put this here, well, because we ought to love Jesus, but, you know, ministry flows out of what you see here in our reading and you'll notice that three times after Jesus said to Peter you know do you love me then he commissioned him to do the work of the ministry feed the lambs feed the sheep and uh, really what keeps you in this thing is love for Christ 
And it's so important because, uh, you know, if you're doing it for the Lord, you'll keep on doing it. That, that's the highest motivation. Look, uh, I, I try to get that clear in my head my whole life as I've served the Lord. And I do love people, most of them. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I, I love Thai people and I you know, have a burden for them. Uh, but there are some days where if you were just in the ministry for what you were getting back from people, you'd have walked away a long time ago. You know, because, because sometimes even good people can disappoint you. Uh, some, sometimes uh, someone else can lose their way and not be what they should be for you. And, and we have that tested on the field. And, uh, but if you're doing it because you love Christ, and if this is an outworking of the love of Christ in you, then you'll keep on doing it. So we'll be looking for someone who has a real love for Christ. And, uh, and we'll be listening for that. And, uh, you know, no tricks, but as they share their testimony and as we look at how they've lived their life and what they've done, and we'll be looking for evidence of that, that they just have a love for Jesus. Uh, when you do it for Christ, you'll do it uh, even when people let you down. Let me say this. That's also true for marriage. I read today, uh, and it was a wise statement, somebody talking about marriage, they said this. They said, apply all the scriptures that refer to others to your wife. You know, every, everything it says, you know, do unto others, like, like remind yourself the application of that is my wife or my husband. I've always believed that good basic Christianity makes for sound marriages. And, uh, and I often believe we're, we're, we're trying to identify failures that really come back to a very basic fundamental level that we're not living for Christ, we're not following the scriptures, uh, we're, we're going contrary to the very basics. But if you, if, you, if you will, for the love of Christ, love your wife, you'll love your wife. If you'll, if you'll love Christ, you will love others. And you'll love your husband. And you'll, you'll love other people. Because, because when Jesus is in that place, you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to do that. And, and, and he's pleased when you do that. And don't you want God to be pleased? Isn't it true that that's the number one person we're trying to please? And so when we do it for Christ, you'll keep on doing it. So we want a pastor that will have a love for Jesus and, uh, and, uh, and that will keep him going. And the challenge that Jesus was saying to Peter was, well, just to examine his love for Christ. And, uh, and make sure that that's there. You know, what are the evidences of your love for Christ? And I don't want, you know, but, but what are the evidences of your love for Christ? And uh, it better be more than, you know, a feeling that blows in if you sing a nice song. That's okay, but it better be more than that. The evidence is in how you treat people. That's an evidence because Jesus loves people. You know, if, if, I, if I mistreat someone, it grieves me because it grieves the Holy Spirit. And my focus is not firstly on them. My focus is on that's a God failure. I've failed in my devotion to Christ. I've been unkind to someone. Uh, I, I, I've spoken harshly when I did not need to do that. My choice of words was poor and I've hurt that person. And when the Holy Spirit brings awareness of that, that grieves me because it's grieved him. So for the love of Christ... That's why I want to love you. And that's why you should love each other. And, and that's your first motive. That's the first thing that should lead you. And so there's a connection between the love of Christ and Christian service. 
and, uh, and you ought to just let the love of Christ permeate you and, uh, and, uh, and just let it happen and let, let God soften your heart. And uh, when you see people and you get moved within about their need, or their, that's a good thing. Don't feel embarrassed about that. When, uh, when you have compassion, that's coming from the Lord. So Peter's commissioning, which was to feed the sheep, and he did go and do that, uh, came and his duties came as a response or a call for him to examine his love for Christ. So a love for Jesus is really important. Next, a love for God's word. There must be a recognition from our pastor uh, that the word of God is the authority in all our lives when it comes to uh, our faith and the things, the practice of our faith. And, uh, you know, we've had that, we've enjoyed that here for a long season, but it's something that we would not want to see dropped. He's got to have a love for God's word. And I mean, a personal love for it. Beyond his duties just to stand up here, he's got to have a, a love that, that that's happening when he's at home and, and his personal reading and, and his desire. There ought to be a desire to learn the word of God. I find, I, I've, I've met men who've been in the ministry 40 years who continue to have a hunger to learn from the word of God. And they, they, they have not lost that. And they're, they're, ever, they're ever looking for the Lord to teach them. An ability, uh, our pastor must have an ability to teach and preach the word of God and its truth in a clear and practical way. Uh, because when we're, we're seeking a pastor. We're not seeking an academic. Uh, we're, not, we're not looking for a Bible college lecturer. We're seeking a pastor. And uh, the pastor has, has got to go to God and ask the Lord uh, for, for, for heavenly manna from the word of God that he can then bring and distribute to the people. And let me tell you, when people are being fed, you know what they'll do? They'll come on back. And, and uh, when people are hearing from God, they'll, they'll want to be in a place where they're hearing from God. And I'm just saying this is, our, this is what we should all want. We, you know, we, 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 we should all desire that. Uh, when people are hearing from God, they'll tell others they're hearing from God. And, uh, and uh, so that's, we're looking for that. Uh, someone who can uh, search the scriptures and, and uh, get, get the word from the Lord that we need, uh, that's important. The Bible is being minimized in many churches today. And that's why, you know, I'll joke a little bit and say, bless God, you're coming to do the Bible reading, you haven't got a Bible. And it's kind of half a joke, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not having a go at anyone, but I'm trying to lift the level a little bit, like let's keep our Bibles. And let's, 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 we're not going to minimize the Bible, the Word of God. And uh, we may have other great things that we like doing as a church, and that's not wrong. Uh, but none of that is to push the Bible out of its place. Uh, the Bible is important. And uh, it's being replaced in a lot of churches. Uh, a lot of people believe that, you know, you just, you, you can only go 20 minutes now and you just... You just put up a Bible verse on a screen and you tell some stories or sit on a stool or whatever and, and uh, you know, that's church. Uh, the, the problem with that is it produces a kind of very anemic Christianity. And my fundamental objection to the present day ministry styles, and I think you know what I'm talking about, is the fruit it produces. 
And it just produces a Christianity that's very, very weak, very watered down. And, and people, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, hope they're all saved, but uh, they kind of, it doesn't seem to impact their lives through the week. And we're not, we're not going to be pharisaical about that, but we just want to say, look, we, we don't want to follow that pattern. Uh, the, the Bible, uh, a man who loves the Word of God. And then a love for God's people. Boy, the, the pastor's got to have a love for God's people because the ministry is serving the Lord but by helping people. And uh, that's, that's the phrase given to hospitality. It's a saying that he's got to be willing to engage people. Now, some people are better than that and some are not, but if you're in the ministry, you're serving the Lord, you've got to learn to do it. Let me say that that was not my natural strength. Uh, but, but two things helped me. One, I had a wife who helped me. And she was really good at moving around and, you know, just let her loose and she'll do her thing. It just comes natural to her. She'll flop down beside people and chat and she's just, you know, that's just her. And that was a gift. You know, God gifted her to me. And, um, but also I said, Lord, help me with this. Because I know it's important. And, uh, and God, God helped me with that by just giving me a real care and a love for people. And it took time. Uh, but, but God put it that when I would look at people, I'd be moved in my heart to care. And, uh, and care about them. And uh, care about what they were feeling and what they were going through and how they were today. And, and so, so, you know, we, this is, the pastor has got to have a love for people. And uh, it's, look, it's not everybody's thing. So some of you, maybe it's not your thing. I'll tell you what, Dave Holowaty called me yesterday on the phone <coughs> and, uh, and uh, he didn't want anything. Uh, he just called to see how I was. Now, now, I knew that he was making a pitch to be the pastor, <laughs> right? I got it. I, I, I knew, no, this, mate, I get it. You know, from the moment he said, I'm not calling for anything, it's just how are you? I thought, yeah, yeah. I said, I said, listen, mate, if you want me to nominate you, I will. Uh, but he, uh, he declined that. He's, he's, he's the dark horse holding back. Uh, watch out on the home stretch. Here comes Dave. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but but uh, you've got to have a love for people. And uh, if you let God move in your heart, he'll just do that. Because, because he was like that. Do you agree? With, do, you, do you think that Jesus was like that? Do you think he was like that when he said, let the kids come? Do you think he was like that when he reached out to people that others didn't care about? Do you think he was like that when he saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion? Do you think he was like that when he, when he, when he saw people suffering and he intervened? Of course he was like that. Well, well if, if Christ is in me, well, that, that should come out. That should come out. It's, that, that's not a personality thing. It's spiritual. It's, a, it's an evidence of God in us. And we'll, we'll, we'll still have our individual personalities, but just, just, being, just being led of the Lord to love people. <clears throat> and that's the pastor has to do that. And different pastors, uh, you know, do that in different ways. They connect in different ways. But he must love people. Uh, the pastor's heart must be moved by the need of the people. I, I, I remember coming here many times when nobody was here, and I've done it even these last little while before uh, Pastor Lloyd stepped down. And, uh, and I just come and, and just reflect on the folks here, the people who come here, those who labour in the rooms as I walk around, 
and uh, just just uh, you know feel uh, feel the the need of the folks and the, the the wanting of God to minister their lives and bless our church and help people, and the pastor needs to be that way. Uh, you know, he, he he'll need to be here, and he'll work out how often he's here, but he needs to be here. And he needs to walk around and he needs to be seen. He needs to have a chat and, and people need to feel like he cares. And, uh, you know, we, it's just what we all, you know, anyone in ministry should strive to do. Uh, I, 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 I try to do it in Thailand. You know, I, I forget the names of our people in our church because they all have funny names. Now, some of them are easy, like golf, beer. I mean, who could forget that, right? <laughs> G'day, beer, you know. <laughs> Um, but uh, some of them are really difficult. And, uh, and i got to tell you, I don't mean this to be in any way derogatory, but some of them look a lot the same. I mean, it's just hard sometimes. It's, I'll say to Suzanne, is that so-and-so? She goes, no, no, that's so-and-so. I go, oh, okay. But I, I try. I move around. I try. I say, hello, how are you? I sit down. I have a chat. You've got to do that. And, uh, and uh, I think we all agree with that, and I think any incoming pastor would agree with that, that you've got to love people, and you need to communicate your love to them. And that has to be done one-on-one, but it also has to be done through something we call pulpit manner. And your pulpit manner is how you speak to the flock when you're up here. And you, you speak to the flock like you matter. And, and it's, not, it's not feigned or pretend. It's uh, the, 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 the pastor, uh, the, good, the wise pastor will give you a hug from the front and you won't even know what happened, but you'll have a sense of he understands and, and connection. And we need to pray for our, whoever this is, that they, they do that because it's just important. A willingness the pastor must have to give himself for the people and uh, to sacrifice. Uh, next, a strong and present desire to reach the lost. That's really important. He must lead the church to be primarily concerned with the eternal destiny of men's souls. He's got to lead the church to keep reminding us of the importance on seeing lost people come to Christ. Now, the reason I'm saying that, because if we give someone community without Christ, we have betrayed them. And we have disregarded their eternal needs. Now, some people will find Christ through the church community. But it's not enough to give community without Christ. Do you understand that? It's not enough that say, well, we have a, we have a fantastic Tuesday night craft group and we do this and we do that. And, you know, we have all these great things, but, but there's no preaching of Christ there or there's no testimony of others about Christ. We people's souls matter. I spoke to someone who used to attend here and had gone to a different place uh, where community was a big focus and uh, they, he was sharing with me about the, uh, the programs of that church and I said, well, well that's all good. And I said, uh, but, uh, I, I, I said, but are, are, they, are they also preaching Christ? Are they talking to people about the need of salvation? And... Uh, you know, he went a little bit quiet, and I said, "I said, do you?" I said, "Let's just let me ask you something." This is someone who I know believes the Bible. I said, "Listen, let me ask you." I said, "Do you agree with me?" Listen to what I'm about to say. Do you agree with me? This statement: unless a man is born again, 
he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I said, do you believe that? And he said, well, I absolutely believe it. I said, all right. I said, well, that's, that's what it all hangs on. Because Jesus made it very clear, if there's no new birth, if there's no salvation, if there's no moment in that person's life, there's no heaven. And no amount of Christmas baskets and, uh, and you know, other things, and all of that's good, and we do that, but there's got to be an emphasis on Christ. Because it's not fair to people that we make them think that somehow Christian community gets you to heaven. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? And that's the balance. We, we, we must, we need someone who it, it stays before them the need to reach the lost and to, to keep before them the primary needs of men's souls. Next, he must be missions-minded. He will understand the church family wants to be involved in reaching the lost beyond their immediate area. Amen? I, I know you do. He will understand that the church family cares about people in other places and love, we love our church and we want to reach people in Albany Creek and the Shire and, and our state and all of that, but we also want involvement in reaching people for Christ in other places. And uh, so you've got to be missions-minded. He will understand that missions enlarges the church's vision and missions makes the church stronger. Missions is not a dividing of our resources where we become weaker. When we're missions-minded, we're Christ-centered. The church is always stronger for keeping missions before it. Now, I, 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 you know, I, I tell you what happened. Many, many years ago, there was a missionary here, an American missionary, and uh, he said to me, he said, this was many years ago, he said, do you do faith promise at Good Shepherd Baptist Church? And I was the pastor. And I said, no. He said, do you know what faith promise is? I said, not, not a little bit. And, he's, and he laid out faith promise, what it was, how that people would pray about what they could commit to missions. And, and, uh, and, and I said, okay. And they will decide what they're going to give. Now, I asked this. I was the pastor. And I'm telling you, you know, what I said many years ago. I said, now, hang on. I said, if the people do that, does it affect the weekly giving? Because, I mean, we were, you know, we were sort of touch and go. And, and I said, is it going to affect the weekly giving? Will, will it hurt the church? That's my nervousness. And he said, no, no, it will not hurt the local church. I said, are you sure? He said, I said, I've done this every week. He said, it will not hurt. The, he said, it'll go up. And I thought, no, it can't go up. Because if, they, if they're stepping out further in their missions giving, how, how can it go up? And I said, well, let's just do it. And uh, we'll give it a go. And we brought him in. And uh, we did our first year of Faith Promise. And uh, guess what happened? People gave generously to missions, but also uh, the church offering went up as well. And we didn't do it for that reason. But it was kind of like the Lord affirming that I will not damage the local church because you care about souls in other places. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, it, it, I will strengthen the church because you're keeping missionaries in their place over there. You're, you're helping others get reached for Christ. Lord, Lord has a heart for the poor. Let me tell you that. And, uh, and uh, it is, uh, there is, you know, I don't want to preach a mission, but there's great need on the mission field. And I just believe God sees that. And he would have it that those of us who uh, are not in those places are supporting 
the message of the gospel going to those places. So our pastor has to be missions-minded. He will have missionaries in. Uh, he will not begrudge God's people supporting missions. Uh, he himself will support missions. He will understand missions enlarges the church vision and makes the church stronger. He will keep missions before the people, knowing that what is not talked about or what is put out of sight will soon be neglected. So one of the duties of the pastor is just to ensure that periodically missions is being mentioned and missionaries are in and, and just keep that before the people. Next, he must be strong enough to stand up to some folks. He will, by account of the office he is in, have to deal with some difficult people sometimes. So we need to protect him and uh, protect him from those people <laughs> as best we can. Can I tell you what happens? What happens to pastors in the ministry is they're often, they, they, they get assailed by uh, small, and I know no one hears like this, they get assailed by small-minded people who want to argue about petty things or, or, or you know, accuse someone, the pastor, someone else, something, you know, whatever, about petty things. And you know what it does? It just drains the pastor's energy and it diminishes his ability then to minister to everybody else. And, and that's why we need to have a vested interest in that, it, that is not the best use of the man of God here allowing that to happen to him. Because, because as those people keep assailing him, he is losing the strength to be able to minister to us. And so we need to think this through better uh, about how we can do that and how we can help. Uh, I've seen different people do different things in different churches uh, when I was here, you know, I used to try to keep an assistant near me towards the back of the door. I'll tell you a few of the little in-house secrets. I would try to keep an assistant near me, one of the staff, and his job was to just sort of, uh, uh, you know, take care of any of that sort of reoccurring. Listen, sometimes you're trying to greet people and you can't greet people because the same people keep coming about the same petty things. And I know I'm being blunt, but if we don't talk about it, when do we? If we, don't, if we don't just put it out there, when do we? And I'm leaving in a week anyway, so, so let's just put it out there. Sometimes you, 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 you just can't, you're trying to get to people who need to be ministered, you're trying to get a new, and it's not that you don't care, but some people are just, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just over and over again. And so we, we, we need, so I would keep an assistant down there, and I would say, just help me so that I can greet some people and I'm not sort of grabbed by one or two people every week and I never get any further than that. I need to be able to chat. And I'd also say, I remember I had one particular assistant, I won't mention his name, but I'd say, help me if I forget someone. And I remember he'd, he'd say to me, yes, sir. And he'd be standing there and I'd say, uh, I'd say, see that brother coming up there? And he'd go, I'd say, what's his name? I've forgotten his name. And he'd say, it's John. I'd say, it's John. I said, G'day, John, good to see you. And he'd say, it's Bill. <laughs> and I'd look at my assistant. I'd say, sorry about that, Bill. No, I'd love to, I'd love to name and shame him, but I won't do it. <laughs> but I used to have to keep someone down there to just help me. So, so the incoming pastor will, 
you know, he'll have to work that out and be patient. And, but we do need to, he's going to have to be strong enough. Don't make him weak. Because sometimes he might have to say to someone, I'm not discussing this anymore. Okay, that, that's it now. And, uh, and you just need to understand a little bit of what happens when you're in this job. The calls you get. And I'm, I'm not talking about real needs, real problems. And I'm not saying if you've got something you care about that we don't care about that. But if, if you experience what some of the pastors experience, you know, you'd be saying, right, pastor, I get it. I really get it, you know. So, so he has to be strong enough to be able to, you know, uh, stand up when he needs to. Uh, the pastor must be given authority to lead and be able to make decisions as he's led by the Holy Spirit in accordance with the Word of God. Now, that doesn't mean he's a dictator. We, we're, not, we're not looking for that. But he's got to have authority to lead. Uh, there also has to be accountability. And a wise pastor will seek counsel when he's not sure of things. So that brings me to my next point. He must be teachable. He must be teachable. You see, we never outgrow learning. Uh, uh, there, there, are, there, are, there are wonderful, great men I know who instruct me, but they continue to keep learning. You don't ever get to the place where you say, I've got nothing to learn anymore. You're always learning. You're learning about yourself. You're learning about what you do. You're learning about, you know, the Bible and ministry and people. He's got to be teachable uh, because there's always more the Lord would want to show us or teach us or lead us into. A teachable spirit is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. And let me say, security in Christ. I'm not insecure that I don't know everything. I'm not insecure in my, in my call because I have to ask some counsel about what do you think would be best here. That's not insecurity. That's wise. Because there will be people who have things to offer in many areas and to harness that is wise and to ask counsel and, and, and to, to receive it. So he needs to be teachable. The wise pastor will seek to understand uh, more and be better at his duties and will maintain a teachable spirit. The wise pastor will know that authority is not infallibility. Authority is not infallibility. Okay, Because you have the position doesn't mean that you'll get everything right every time. You, you, you won't. Uh, I, I can remember a couple of significant bloopers in my ministry that God just used to humble me. And, uh, and it was very humbling. And, and, you know, one or two of them, frankly, were embarrassing. But, but, but it was just, you know, I received it of the Lord just to remind me <laughs> of, my, of my place and that I can make a mistake. And, and, uh, but the wise pastor will understand that. You know, I have, I have vested authority here, uh, but I'm not infallible. And, uh, and if he comes to you and says, I got it wrong, folks, and then, you know, be warm about that and go, sure, haven't we all? Thanks. Good to have someone like that. No problem. We understand. He has to have a mature character. Uh, he cannot be childish. Now, he can have fun, have a joke. That's, that's not being childish. I'm talking about childish as in you're immature. You know, you may have uh, older years, but you're very immature. He cannot be emotionally fragile. 
He's got to have control over his emotions. He cannot be immature. Uh, I know a man who was put into a large ministry who was immature. And it was a terrible mistake. And I think many of us felt at the time it was a terrible mistake, but, you know, nobody wanted to say anything. It was, it was not our, our area. But time revealed great emotional immaturity there and then finally a terrible end. Character, mature character. Character is more important than gifts because many gifted people can never use their gifts because of an immature or undisciplined character. Do you understand that? Your, your good character, we're not saying perfect, good character allows you to use the gifts that God has given you. But you may, look, I know many gifted people and here's what I think, I think what you think. If you could just get yourself together, God could really use you. You have so much to offer. God could really use you. But you're stumbling over basic character stuff all the time. Uh, you know, you can't submit. You're argumentative. You're childish. You're jealous of others. Uh, you're erratic in your commitments. You know, you're at church and you're not at church. You're, you, you just, all this kind of stuff that re reveals uh, uh, not the best character. So character is important. Bad character flaws will undermine and usually eventually dis destroy ministries. And it's why, it's, why, it's why any real man of God, the person that he fears the most in ministry is himself. The person that scares him the most is himself. Because the danger is you. And, uh, and uh, it, it ought to be humbling and make us lean on God more and walk in his mercies and, and ask him to help us uh, in the areas of our character. And it also would be something you ought to be assessing yourself, your character. You know, do you tithe one week and then miss two and then tithe again? All right, that's a character issue. Uh, do you just let it all fly out when your emotions rise up? That's a character issue. Do you get jealous when God uses someone else and, and you didn't get picked? That's a character issue. Uh, are you erratic in your attendance? You can't seem to commit to anything. Do you promise much and deliver little? Those are character issues. And uh, there are things that we need to search ourselves with of those kind of things. Uh, do you take it out on others when you're not feeling good? That's a character issue. So, so these are matter for self-examination that we, that we look at ourselves, but certainly our pastor, we want to have a mature character. I remember a man, I won't give his name, I know him, I say know him, I, I, I think I've had a brief conversation, he's no longer in the ministry. Uh, but he pastored a, a ministry of about, about 1,800 people. And uh, yet there was just constant bad things happening with his character. Uh, I remember a time that he, he was uh, in, a, in a meeting as a visiting preacher and he got into a fight, I mean a physical fight on the footpath with another preacher. Uh, I remember how he would tell in his sermons that uh, if he met a uh, church member who'd left the church in the local shopping centre that he would abuse them out loud in front of everyone in the shops. Uh, he was uh, nasty and aggressive in his ministry style. 
uh, in the comments he used in his preaching were often uh, coarse or aggressive. He mistreated his staff. And eventually uh, there was an inevitable fall. And he's no longer in ministry. Uh, character is important to your continuance. And uh, it's something, you know, that, that we all need to be mindful of. All right, let's move to finish uh, stability in relationships. The pastor needs to have demonstrated stability in relationships. He should have a good testimony from those he worked with before. That doesn't mean everybody will like him, okay? Because, because if you're in ministry, if you've done it before, or frankly, if you're in any role up front, uh, then there'll always be some people who won't like you for something. I've noticed, uh, it's been quite amusing, that, that about every culture, every country, every culture around the world has a saying for that. You know, that, um, that if you get elevated, you'll get assailed. And it's funny to me, we, we say lots of things. You know, we talk about the tall poppy gets cut down and uh, the, the Japanese say, the tree that grows the tallest catches the most wind. And that's their way. And, and every culture has these sayings. And it reminds me that, that humanity has the same flaws everywhere. The same things happen everywhere. And uh, so it, we're not saying that everybody likes him because probably someone somewhere won't. But a good testimony from those he's worked with. You know, no, he was, uh, he was good. We're looking for stability in his relationships. If he has a history of unstable relationship, that may not be the best person for us. He needs to have a healthy marriage. Uh, a perfect marriage does not exist. Now, if you've got one, we'll let you share about that on maybe Sunday night. But uh, most of us understand a perfect marriage does not exist. Exist. <clears throat> All marriages are different. But there should be clear evidence uh, of uh, faithfulness and love uh, in his marriage uh, towards his wife, and there should be stability in his marriage. Can you understand, if he, if he does not have stability in his marriage, how, how will he even be able to minister to anybody else? He'll be putting out fires at home. He'll, he'll, he'll be depleted and drained before he ever gets here. Uh, so, so stability in relationships is a good indicator that he'll, he'll be able to do that here as well. Further, as I finish, a pastor's wife... Uh, should be totally supportive of her husband's call to the ministry. Uh, we don't want to have a situation where she's, you know, comes dragging and screaming and, and doesn't want to be here. Gospel ministry, by what it is, will involve particular burdens to bear on their home, pressures that have to be withstood, a certain loss of privacy, uh, an emotional cost that has to be paid, and unless both in the marriage are committed to the call of God on the husbands, on the pastor, then it will not work for them to be in the ministry. All right, so I'm going to finish with that. That's just a few things, you know, to, 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 to just bear in mind. Uh, obviously, when the pulpit committee, if they start the process, well, eventually they will, talking to somebody, these are the kind of things that will come up. Uh, but they're just good things to bear in mind. All right, let's have uh, our... Prayer sheets, is that where we're at? I, I don't know. I only come every third Wednesday. Um, but uh, if we can get the prayer sheets out and uh, we'll take a moment to pray. Uh, do pray for the, uh, uh, the pulpit committee. 
Uh, like I said, they will not be choosing the pastor. That has to be done by the membership. Pray about that. Pray for continued unity and a good spirit in the church. And I have seen that. I've been so pleased to see that. Uh, pray for uh, Pastor Doug Fisher. He phoned me last night and he will go into his surgery uh, about 5 a.m. Wednesday, his time. So that will be tomorrow for us. But he has to have uh, a very large heart operation. They're going to obviously open up his whole, you know, and even I haven't had it. People who tell me they've had that, they pull your ribs back to get in there. People say it's like being hit by a bus, the recovery. But And then there are at least six, I didn't even know we had six arteries, there are six blockages that are very significant. In fact, they said, uh, he told me last night, he said the, the, the surgeon, uh, as they looked at it, they said, you know, this one is 90% blocked, this one's nearly 90%, this one is... And they said, what your heart has done, they said, this has been like this a long time. And what your heart has done, it's made other veins to bypass some of that to keep the blood flowing. Isn't that amazing? And he said, well, you know, he said, I thought, well, what God does, you know. He, and the surgeon said, it either does that or you have a heart attack. So his body for the last, you know, however long has been making its own corridors just to keep, keep blood flowing. So this is a fairly, uh, you know, it's a big surgery. Uh, the, the surgeon operating is uh, a, a teacher of surgeons, so it's a good, it'll be happening in uh, San Diego. Uh, I know that, like, Brother Gibbs, David Gibbs, some of you remember him, he's organising a uh, prayer time and, and there are others and I have people in Thailand praying. But if, if Brother Fisher has been a blessing to you, please remember to pray for him. When I get some updates, whenever that is, I'll, I'll try, to, try to let you know about that. Probably one of his family will keep me updated. So, Okay, the other things are on the list um, to be praying about. Uh, school starts again next week. That's good. I'm sure the teachers and everybody's looking forward to that. Um, prayer is important for all our ministries and for all the people who work in all our ministries because they all carry burdens and uh, they all will be assailed. And uh, so let's be praying for all those things. All right, I don't have anything else. Is that it? Yes, thank you. Uh, take some time to pray. The pulpit committee people will be meeting uh, in the office uh, after you've done praying. God bless you. Thank you. Lord be with you.